Welcome to the Milestone Church podcast. We're taking a deeper look at some of the most well-known characters in the Bible, who despite the odds of their situation, kept their faith in God. In this series called Faithful, we invite you to join us as we discover how to be faithful in the everyday challenges of life. I want to welcome you to a new series that we will be in for the next four weeks. I'm really fired up and excited about it because I think that it is something all of us need, no matter where we are in our journey. And that series is entitled Faithful. Now, we do know how to spell, and we know the word faithful in reference to God is with one L. But in this series, we're hoping this is what happens. And that is that God is faithful, but that we might become more full of biblical faith. And and here's what I've learned about this time of year, and that is that we're going to be full of a lot of things. Your calendar is going to become increasingly full with family activities, with company Christmas parties, with all kinds of things. We're going to become full of festive occasions. We're going to become full of food. Can I have an amen? We're going to become full of food. And yes, we're going to do that. But with all of those things we're going to become full of, the fact is none of those things can really help us with what really matters in life like biblical faith can. Because this is also a time of year where we're full of family tensions and we're full of depression and we're full of challenges and hurts and we have a lot of circumstances going on in our lives and every time of the year we need faith but this time of the year we need to be more full of biblical faith. And so I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to what is affectionately sort of known as the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament, we're gonna spend four weeks talking about that same chapter in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, as we think about getting more full of faith. I wanna welcome those watching online, welcome those watching in our video service, as well as those who may watch this message later. I do wanna celebrate something that uh, we are really excited about this weekend, and that is I wanna celebrate all these students. We're so excited about what God's doing. And, you know, guys, you may or may not be aware of this, but statistics say that you are a generation that is more anxious, more depressed, and more challenged than any other generation due to technology, due to the fact that you live with so much uh, toxic information and for whatever reason, uh, that's what has been kind of a defining mark for you. You do have to recognize that statistically suicide is very high among your generation, but the reason we do these retreats, and it's old school, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of time. I wanna thank our church for being a generous church so that we're able uh, to have the great team we have that work with these. I wanna thank you to all of the leaders. There's about 525 students that went through this, 125 leaders serving them. I wanna thank you to all the host homes that have served these kids. You're gonna have to go to Costco after the weekend because they ate everything. I've raised two teenagers. We had one lady said, I had junior football players, and she's like, we had to go to Costco twice, and so we just, they just, it's like a bottomless pit, okay? So I wanna thank you to all of you that have served them, but here's what I wanna tell you. 
you don't have to be a statistic. You don't have to be a statistic. This is what we're gonna continue to champion in you, that the search in your soul, there's no amount of success, there's no amount of friendships or affirmation from people around you that will ever feel what's inside of you. And the reason we have these weekends is not that you might just know about God, but you would experience Jesus Christ because he loves you and has a plan for your life. You would experience him, okay? So we want you to know we believe in you and we're gonna throw everything we have at seeing to it that you don't become a statistic, but you can walk out the purposes of God in your generation. Is everybody with me on that? Now, I wanna recognize this brother up in the corner here with the Baylor shirt, okay? We have ordained him. He's now a priest. His parents have a special parking spot, okay? I told them, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to give. You can just come and consume, okay? So we just wanna recognize this guy because you know God's hands on his life, okay? I mean, it's just on his life, praise God. But come on now, we're undefeated, give some love, come on. Awesome, all right? I asked you at Easter time, I said, what are a couple of things that you'd like us to talk about? I said, share with me a few things. Top things you said, number one, we need help with stress. We need help with our stress. So I'm trying to talk to you uh, in, throughout several series of messages about this stress issue because we want you to be introduced to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. But the second thing you said was you wanna learn the Bible. And so in this series, we're gonna really dive deep into the Bible. We're gonna look at this chapter and this chapter has some heroic characters in it. And so we're gonna also go back and look at scripture from the Old Testament and see these characters and see why Hebrews 11 uh, gives us this definition of the fact that they walked with God in a certain way and had faith. And so as we start into Hebrews chapter 11, I wanna tell you a little bit about the book of Hebrews itself because you may not be familiar with it. The book of Hebrews, the author is unknown, although we know ultimately it's authored by the Holy Spirit. The author is unknown, and yet it's written for a very critical moment in the life of the church. Because what's happening in this time period is there are people that are trying to come into the church, these people who have received the free gift of salvation through the person of Jesus Christ and trying to bring them back under the ritualistic, religious, ceremonial things. And so this writer in Hebrews is trying to continue to remind them of what they have in Jesus. The author, again, is a little bit unknown. Some believe Paul wrote it, yet the writing is different, though it contains the theological understanding that Paul had. And Paul, the apostle, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so some, some believe, theologians believe that maybe Apollos wrote it because he was close with Paul and he understood the theological perspective, but nonetheless, it's a very important book because it continues to remind us of what we have in Jesus. And tucked into this book is this chapter that talks about this word faith. It talks to us about it, but to understand Hebrews 11, because there weren't, the Bible was not written with chapters. Chapters are there for our convenience. To understand Hebrews 11, you have to understand Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12.1 is a summation of what Hebrews 11 is all about. It says this in Hebrews 12.1, therefore, therefore is a, a continuation statement, if you will. And so therefore, why is it there? 
because it's telling us, based on everything I just gave you in this Hall of Fame of Faith, therefore, as a result of these stories in these lives, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. We don't think a lot about this huge crowd. We don't think a lot about heaven. We don't, we don't think a lot about this, this, this afterlife. In fact, most people today live like they're gonna live forever. They have no thought about what's gonna happen one day, but the reality is there is an eternal world. There's a heaven, there's a hell. And in heaven, it's describing that in heaven, if you will, there's this grandstand of witnesses. The older you get, there's more people in the stands than there are here on earth. And so if you were to think about being at a sporting event, if you've ever been at a sporting event, there's this cheer, there's a roar, and the roar gets so loud that you can't even hear the individuals because the roar is so loud. In fact, in a football game, football players sometimes have trouble, the quarterback has trouble calling the play because the roar is so loud, the players on the field can't even hear each other. But what is this passage saying to us? That out of the stands of heaven, there is this great cloud and this crowd of witnesses that are cheering us on, and what if one of them came out of the stands, that's Hebrews 11, if they came out of the stands, and if we were running a race, which it's gonna describe, they made a lap with us. They had a, we, had, we ran a play together. What would they say to us? This great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. It says, because we have these people cheering us on, they're encouraging us. Encouragement is like breath to the soul. You can't, you, you need it. <laughs> That's what we're gonna get in this series. You need the encouragement of faith to live out what God's called you to live out. This crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. And let us, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, the truth is sin, it looks pleasurable, it looks fun, but the truth is it'll weigh your soul down. It'll weigh you down from living the life that God has for you. Let us lay it down, because it'll easily trip us up. And now let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. All of us are running a race, but it's saying, here's what this crowd of witnesses is saying to us, I want you to finish. I want you to actually get to the end of the race that God has for you. So I want you to be able to run it with endurance and to not just limp across the finish line or never make it to your purpose or never make it to what God has for you, but you can cross through the tape with victory and actually accomplish what God has in your generation. So this chapter 11, framed by Hebrews 12, is all about faith. It's all about biblical faith, this, this source that we have in God to fuel us, to encourage us, to help us finish, and finish with endurance. Yet when I say the word faith, you're like, what is that? Is that like a, a spiritual mental ascent? Is that like a spiritual ideology? Like what is faith? How do you break that down? What does that look like? How, how, would, I, how would I get it? How, how would I get faith, you know? Where does it come from? We're gonna learn that in this series. Where, do, where, where does that even 
come from? So it's, it sometimes seems to be something that eludes us because it's a little bit mystical or mysterious. So in this series, we're gonna try to make it practical so we can actually make it tangible so we can bring it into our, our lives. What happens to a lot of us, because we're extreme people, some of us make faith all about God. Well, you know, God, and he's, he's, he's other, and he's, he's got faith, and so, you know, it's all about God, and God's bigger, and we just kind of have the man upstairs, if you will, and, and it's God, and then others try to make it all about us. You know, it's like, you've got to earn it, you've got to strive for it, you've got to try to make it happen, though no, the fact is, it's both. It's both. It's God who supplies to us this understanding that's outside of us, this conviction, this confidence, this assurance that's not part of our natural nature, but there's our participation in it. You can participate in growing in biblical faith yourself. And so let's look over at Hebrews 11 and let's let it start speaking to us because the Bible's not just a dusty book with a whole bunch of sayings. It can talk to you right where you live, right where you live today. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is confidence. It's confidence. Who couldn't use a little bit more confidence? If you don't have faith, here's all you have. You have your feelings. I don't know about you, but my feelings just can't be depended on. I mean, I like it in one minute and I'm ready to throw it away the next. Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. Feelings are shifty. Talked to a guy this week about it. I'm like, like now he's dealing with a big, dis, big decision and situation, marriage, relationships. I'm like, now how are you gonna decide on what is right to make a confident decision that God is going to endorse this? I said, what are you gonna use? He kind of looks stumped. He's gonna use what most people use today. He said, my feelings. What a tragedy. What a tragedy, what a, what a shifting sand to build your life on. No, no, this says you can have confidence that God's endorsing your decision. Feelings, circumstances, heard about a lady, a young business person said she mapped out her entire life without God. What a terrible way to live life, all of your map. You're totally dependent on you to make all of that happen. What a lot of pressure. No wonder we're stressed out and anxious. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance, assurance about what we do not see. It's bigger than our circumstances. It's bigger than our feelings. It's bigger than our perspectives. It's bigger than our history. It's bigger than our past. It's bigger than our future. It's confident assurance in what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what these people, Noah and Abraham and Joseph and all these people we're gonna talk about the next few weeks, this is what they lived by in a time and a period where they had more obstacles and challenges to faith than we have today. And so we're gonna look at their lives, and this week we're gonna start by looking at the story of Noah. Jump down to verse six, and I wanna show you what Hebrews 11 says about this character. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, there's people out there like, man, I just don't know, you know, start talking about faith and God and God blessing people and God showing up in people's lives. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Noah here who had the favor of God and how God favors people and people kind of get a little bit nervous. Look, God's a good father. He doesn't give us everything we want. He supplies all of our needs. But look, don't, don't, don't become, get some kind of view of God that he doesn't take pleasure in blessing his children when they're seeking him. Because just like any good father, if you ever have kids, look, you know, you just want to bless them. And grandkids want, grandparents want to spoil them. Come on. And so he says, if you seek me, there's this reward, there's this blessing, rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's a narrative that goes, man, if I follow God, I get less. If I follow God, my life, I mean, that's like, are you kidding me? Those are like the lame people who are codependent, who don't really know what life is all about. No, until you surrender your life to Jesus, you don't know what life is all about. You don't know what life is all about. You got a cheap version of life. Because my God, when I seek him, he rewards those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, there's our character. Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, everybody say holy fear. We're gonna come back to that in a minute. Built an ark. Even if you haven't spent a lot of time in the Bible, you probably heard about Noah's ark, right? It's a boat. It's a big boat, by the way. Huge boat. He gave great specifications to how to build it. He built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and he became an heir he participated in the righteousness that is found in even Jesus. He participated at pre, pre the cross, that is in keeping with faith. And so we see this picture of Noah's life. The story's found in Genesis six. Let me tell you the story very briefly and then I'm gonna talk about how we can have faith like this and I'm warning you, it's an epic story. It's out of the box. I mean, I remember reading it to my kids and just thinking, it's not just the little parts of the story and the little, you know, like little children's books or whatever. When you really read the story, it's like, wow. Does not compute. It's epic. There's 10 generations from Adam and Eve to when we get to the point of Noah. The earth is in a place where it's filled with wickedness and deviant behavior and God decides to judge the earth. Now we're not talking about sort of casual sins here. We're talking about perversion, we're talking about deviance, we're talking about destructive behavior, and God introduces Noah into the picture. He found favor with God, he walked with God, he was a man of character, so God asked him to build an ark. He gives him very specific dimensions and structure. It's huge, it's filled with rooms, and so it takes, get this now crazy, 120 years to build, 120 years to build. Now let me give you another big faith side to it. It's never rained to this point. No one even knows what that is. But God, because he makes a covenant with Noah, he saves his family, and though he comes to wipe out the earth. Let me, let me touch this for a minute, the darkness of the earth, the darkness of the world. And it's a growing thing, even among the younger generation. Will I live to see some of the things? There's, there's this growing feeling because of our access to information. I saw a statistic that 60% of New Yorkers believe the end of the world is imminent. And so there's this feeling, things are eroding, culture is getting darker. I don't know how to put a measurement on that. Um, 
This was a dark period. There's other dark periods along the way, different dark places globally. Where is our culture in terms of darkness? There's obviously at work the erosion of things that are important and valuable and any person who's lived a little bit of time starts getting a little concerned about things. I mean, and there's always this, this, this idea, okay, just, just make no mistake, Jesus sees everything and he will return. He is going to return. When, I don't know, but he will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Okay, so nobody's getting away with anything. Okay, so, but there's always this sort of, you know, doomsday preppers, you know, just this kind of dialogue. How many of y'all lived through Y2K? Come on. These folks over here weren't born in Y2K. Come on, they don't even know when that was. Y2K, man, I had a friend, you know, he was into it big time, man. He's like, man, he got him like a storage of water. He got a generator or two. We don't know where he was gonna get the gas for it, but anyway, he had the generator, planted a garden, and man, he was just ready, you know, and I was there, you know, I'm just kind of an optimistic guy, you know. He said, Jeff, are you prepared? I was like, no, I'm just gonna come live with you if everything gets bad, you know. But <laughs> I was playing spades when Y2K rolled over at my house with my friends. But anyway, it all worked out. Nonetheless, here, here's this thought, like depending on your, your personality, you kind of go, okay, where's this thing headed? But if you are the person who sees greater evil in the earth, my question to you is, what are you doing about it? Are you walking in faith? Are you making a difference in your generation? Noah saw the darkness, but he walked with God. He made a difference. Now, here's the part everybody knows. God tells him to get two of every animal. He and his family, they go in this boat, and it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. The earth is flooded for 150 days, and then by sending out the dove to find land, they've been in this boat for all that amount of time. Let's think about this is crazy, right? There's a lot of animal poop in there. That cruise ship virus is probably floating around in there. And I love my kids, but they've been in that boat a long time, so there's probably been some family disagreements, you know what I'm saying? So it's crazy to think about that, but then Noah comes out on dry land, he builds an altar and he worships God. And so you say, what's it all about? As crazy as that story is, it took a lot of faith in what God asked him to do. A lot of faith. And though that's his story, here's what I find. We think our story, no one's had to face what I'm at. No one's had to feel what I feel about the choice God's asking me to make. No one. We tend to over-personalize our faith struggles sometimes, but Noah's is so out of the box, it makes us go, wow. And so Noah comes out of the stands, gets on the playing field with us and says, I built a boat when it's never rained you can have faith for what you're going through. And he runs alongside us and encourages us. As a young man, I would always try to find, and still do, I try to find people where their faith actually works. I'm not a person who likes people that theorize and postulate. We live in a world, young people, where you can access so many people's opinions and theories. Always remember, posting on the internet does not validate whether what you're talking about actually works in real life. Just because you read someone's statement on marriage in the, on the internet, you need to make sure that they built a marriage according to the Bible and what they're building actually works. 
So we, we have more people with more theories today that don't work. I've always found trying to find people. Show me someone who has faith. Show me someone who's growing in love, someone who's growing in compassion, growing in love for their wife, growing in love for their children, like their faith actually works. That's what I'm trying to find. And I'll never forget as a young man, I found a guy who was a mentor to me and I'll never forget. He, and you say, did he have challenges? Yes, he lost a child to cancer. He had struggles, so I'm not trying to paint this guy like he didn't have problems. These people in the Bible had problems. They were ordinary people, but they kept taking steps with God. And I'll never forget, I said, if you were a young guy like me, like what would you do different? And he said, I would study, learn about, speak about, teach people about biblical faith. Because everything in our world is gonna contradict God's opinion on the subject. How do you stand in a dark world? like Noah? How do you stand when it looks crazy 120 years you're building a boat and people are like, what are you doing? How do you do that? It's amazing. I received that day an impartation. It's become something in my life where it's like, look, how do we build biblical faith? So I would like us to ask this question, how do we have faith like Noah? Because you might go, man, that's so far, that's so far out there. It's beyond me. No, there's some things in Noah's story that are practical that you can do. If you think, man, I've been feeling a little depressed. I've been feeling a little hopeless. I've been feeling a little discouraged. I've been feeling like, man, is there anything for me? Does God have a plan for me? You've been feeling that way? Well, let Noah talk to you for a minute. And there's some things about his story that are not out of the box and crazy that we can actually do. Now, I do need to qualify this when we talk about Noah and Abraham and Joseph and all these people. Let's remember this. They are before Jesus Christ. They're before Jesus Christ. So when you try to paint them as these big heroes, and they are heroes, and the Bible calls them this, these ancients, remember this, they're in heaven saying, I wish I had what you have. Because now we don't have to make sacrifices on altars. Now we don't have to wait for one day of the year to get our sins forgiven because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died on that cross and he said, it is finished. And his blood is sufficient, his life is sufficient. And I'll promise you this, if you receive him, you won't trade him back in. You won't trade him back in. He dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, the same power that raised him from the dead can live inside of you? Wow! We have the Holy Spirit poured out now, and we've got the Word of God, which can help you in every situation, no matter where you go in life. And those ancients will be looking going, I want what you have. I wanna have what you have. What does Noah have though that we wanna have? God made a covenant with Noah, but how can I have a faith like Noah? How do I have that? Well, number one, you can walk with God. You can walk with God. The Bible says in Genesis, it tells us that he was a man who had favor with God, but Genesis 6, 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. This is not knowing about God. This is not knowing information about God. This is where you can have a relationship with God. This is not religion. This is not just joining a church and becoming one of those people. This is about knowing God. You may know about God, you may know some things about God. The question is, do you know God? 
And I, I know we could do a hundred part series on knowing God, know, having a relationship with him where he speaks to you, where he talks to you, where he leads you, where he guides you, where he can help you with decisions in life. Look, knowing God, that's what it says. You say, how did Noah have faith to do those crazy things? He walked with God. He walked with God. We could do a series again on it, but I wanna highlight a couple of things about him. First of all, he had the favor of God on his life. Man, that's a gift, you don't earn that. Look, God loves everybody, but he doesn't favor everybody. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when you're close with him, not that you're perfect, but you're honest with him, you're real with him, he's a rewarder and his favor comes on your life. And you're like, wow, I want the favor of God. Everybody wants the favor of God. The problem is they don't want the fear of God. Because it says that he was motivated, I told you we'd come back to that, holy fear. I wanna tell you this, young people, you need to get this. In my generation, we talked a lot about the fear of God. And I mean, the preachers would get up there and say, don't go to hell, it's hot. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, Jesus is your buddy. And I wanna tell you, Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll never ever be able to exhaust his, his bountiful grace in our lives. But he's not like you. He's not like us. Noah walked with God because he had the fear of God on his life too. Let me tell you something, he created us, he fashioned us, he breathed the world into existence. And when we come in his presence, he demands that we bow our knee to his lordship. There's a holy fear that comes on you. You're like, fear, like am I supposed to be scared of him? No, 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 it's different than that. Because the Bible says that he's not given us the spirit of fear. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. But the Bible does say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Our problem in our world today is we have such good medicine, we have resources, and what we forget is you are frail. You are frail. In your youth you think you'll never have a problem. Live a little while. You are frail. You are frail. And it makes you stand before a holy God and say, I fear you because you are God and I am not. And his favor comes on your life. His favor comes on your life. Do you know God? Do you walk with God? If you walk with God and you get close to, not a God you've made up in your imagination that's a cartoon character, but the real God, your faith will grow. Your faith will grow, because your confidence is not in you, it's in the supernatural God who created you. The second thing is you can expect your faith to be tested. Again, it's going to be tested along the way. Can you imagine those days with Noah? What are you building, Noah? Boat. Really? It's gonna rain. What's rain? Really? Can you imagine all those days locked up in there when the earth was flooded? Can you imagine that? Your faith will be tested. And how do you stand the test when your faith is tested? Let me talk to you young people. Let me talk to any young believers that are in our environment, because I know we have a lot of people who have given their life to Christ. I think they're amazed sometimes that when you step out of the crowd to follow Jesus, 
At first, it's like exciting, just like when you bring a newborn baby home. But the truth is, to follow Jesus, you're gonna have people who persecute you. You're gonna have people and friends that say, I don't wanna be with you. You're gonna endure some of that, and it's a surprise to people sometimes. Let me just tell you, young people, you've made some commitments to God. If you're gonna live sexually pure, you're like, why would I wanna do that? Because the Bible's very clear that you're making decisions right now that'll affect your children and your children's children. You're making decisions right now that'll affect your future marriage. And there's this idea, well, we'll get married and then all of a sudden we'll be holy. No, 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 no. You're painting a picture by faith right now because of God's revelation. You're painting that picture out there and and if you have vision for the future, it'll give you power in the present. But you're not gonna get extra credit on Instagram. You're not gonna get extra credit when you watch Netflix. Everything in our culture says, don't talk to me about this area of my life. This is my own decision. But God says, I wanna talk to you about every area of your life. I wanna talk to you about every area of your life and how do you stand when your friends go, well, they're kinda weird, You stand on this eternal word right here. You stand on a promise-keeping God who has my best interest in mind and if I will say, I trust your word above my feelings, faith will come when no one's looking. But your faith's gonna be tested, young believers, All you mature believers, all the test is coming to you too. Coming to me. Faith is like a muscle. You work that thing, man. We gotta keep working that, right? Because those muscles will atrophy. By the way, parents, don't solve all your kids' problems. Teach them about faith. You solve all their problems, you'll make their muscles atrophy. I don't wanna go to youth group because I don't know anybody. Go make a friend. Get on a serve team and you'll find some friends. I know I'm meddling now. I don't want to. Huh. Use your faith. Use your faith. And us that have walked with God sometimes, here's what I've learned. When God speaks to you, it's exciting. You're gonna build a boat. Here's all the dimensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the test. It's always gonna take longer and cost more. Anybody lived a little bit? (laughs) Always. But his word will carry me through. Because I'm not depending on my circumstances or feelings or even my gifting. I'm depending on the eternal word of God that you can take to the bank. It will be tested though. Here's the final thing. The final thing is you can count on God to keep his promises. And here's the encouragement. You're like, I'm just growing. I'm just starting out in my faith. Well, here's some encouragement for you. His faithfulness is even greater than your ability to believe. If you'll just lean in his direction, if you'll just get a few verses, if you'll just start surrounding yourself with people of faith, you wanna put yourself around people of faith too. Because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you want the life of the people you're hanging out with, keep hanging out with them. But you put yourself around people of faith, you put yourself around God's word, you start cultivating that, you start building that muscle, here's what'll happen. God will show up in his faithfulness even greater than your ability to believe. Because that's how good he is. Just lean in his direction. Let's sum it all up before I pray for you. 
What is Noah telling us when he comes out of the stands? What's he saying to us when he comes out of the stands and he's right there with you while you're running your race? What's he saying to us? Here's what I believe he says to us. One person can make a difference. One person. Doesn't the enemy work this way? Oh, your choices don't matter. Young people, it'd be like, oh, no one sees this, no one knows, my choices don't matter, your choice doesn't matter, you're not making a difference, you're insignificant, you're just a little speck in humanity, your choices don't matter. But just like Noah, what is the Bible telling us this? One person's choices can make a difference. Can I talk to you, sir? Your choices about your biblical faith will influence these prized possessions that are right over here. They want a hero, not a perfect person. They want someone who walks with God, just walks with God. Ma'am, mother, you influence. Single person, you might think, this is impossible. This is impossible. Not more impossible than building a huge boat that takes 120 years to build. Not more impossible than that. What's impossible? It's impossible to please God without faith. In your singleness, honoring God. It's possible with faith. Young person, your choices matter. One person can make a difference. One person can influence. And Noah's choice saved not only him, but his whole family. Your choice today has an impact on the people you care about. And I wanna close with this as we talk about it. I'm the product of that. I'm the product of that. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But whatever Jesus you see in me, I'm the product of that. I'm the product of that. Last Tuesday, three o'clock in the morning, I held my father's hand as he took his last breath. He held me as I came into this world and I held him as he walked into eternity. He was my hero. I wanna thank all of you that have prayed for me and all the notes and all the cards, and I'm so honored to be your pastor. But this is so appropriate because you've heard me tell stories about my father, man of principle, a righteous man, man that walked with God. I never heard him tell a lie, never heard him say a cuss word, never saw him drink a drop of alcohol, Never saw him be inappropriate with a woman. You're like, is that possible? It is when a man surrenders his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He was a, he was a, he not only was six foot seven, he was a giant in the faith to me. Shaped my life, shaped my life. I got a chance on Saturday to serve him one more time and do his service. What an honor it was to serve him one more time. You know, the Bible says, honor your father and the mother and your mother, because that has a promise, kids. You honor your father and mother, it's the only command with a promise that it may go well with you and you'll live long on the earth. But it's a lot easier to honor somebody who's honorable. You say, how'd that happen? You say, well, I haven't had a father that did that. My father made mistakes. My dad didn't have a dad. Died at nine years old. Plenty of excuses to not be a man of God. My mom grew up in a dysfunctional home and had a lot of challenges, moved back. My grandfather was in the oil business and moved back from South America. And as a young girl, she found a little church on our street. There wasn't streaming services. She had to walk to the church. 
She went to the church and because they had VBS, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And she fell in love with Jesus. She loved to go to church. She became a prayer warrior. Every morning when I woke up, she was there with her Bible open and her notes praying for me, praying for my dad, praying for our family. And the truth is, she prayed him into the kingdom. Early on, when we were still little kids, he said, I want to be the kind of man that can influence my children and children's children. And he said, even when the enemy would try to pull me off, God was pulling me back to that course. So my mom and dad, just, just to encourage some of you young, young families, my mom and dad were really first generation Christians. I'm not talking about people that check the box Christianity. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody's a Christian today. My mom and dad were first generation Christians. My dad's mom, she had been hurt by the church and so she didn't go to church. She's like the church full of hypocrites. I used to tell my grandma, if a hypocrite standing between you and God, they're closer to God than you are. But they, they, they didn't have that support structure, but my mom and dad said, we're gonna choose to walk with Jesus. Why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you? It's never too late no matter where you're at, but let me say it to all of you young families here and even people deciding about family. A lot of pain on the backside of not making that choice. But the person who says, I'm gonna walk with God can make a difference. You're like, Jeff, the world's getting so dark. Why has Jesus not judged the world yet? Well, Jesus talked about Noah and Peter talked about Noah. Let me show you what Peter said. You're like, why is he waiting? Well, Peter says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. He's patient with you, and this is all in the context, and he talks about Noah, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why is he withholding? You're like, man, I've gotten away with a lot. Don't, don't, don't take it lightly. He's just being patient with you. But he says, I don't want anyone to perish. That's why I've delayed. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me today, and I believe there's some of you here, maybe you've tried all the other things, and they're not satisfying anymore. You know, if you try the things of the world, the pleasure of sin is for a season. It is fun for a season, but in its end, it kills. The difference in Jesus is he just gets better and better and better and better. And so maybe along the way, you've just said, you know what, it's time for me just to say yes to Jesus. And you can right there, no matter what you've done, where you've been, Jesus is ready. He is desiring to come into your life and heart. All you have to simply say is yes to him. And you can just pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask you just to pray it. I'm gonna give you words, but really make it out of your heart. Jesus, I come to you just like I am. You've seen my life. You've seen where I've been, but I, I ask you to come and become my Jesus become my Lord, become my Savior. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. Come into my life and become my Lord in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you to keep your heads bowed, but I also wanna pray for those of you that are walking through a challenge or a struggle and Noah's encouraged you today. Your faith is being tested. I wanna pray for these young people as you walk off this mountaintop experience and your faith gets tested. Lord, we thank you today for this message from your word. We ask you to anchor, anchor us to that word. Lord, to, to help our shifting souls and our fleeting thoughts and our, our desire for what we can see, give us the confidence in what we cannot see, this biblical faith. Anchor us today to it in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.